Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another fun-filled edition of Soap Lore. I'm your hostess with the most, Sis Jet, an 80s baby, 90s kid, and overall television enthusiast. And we are reviewing the Sophia Sudzius primetime storylines of the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. Welcome to our summer series, The Single Season Sensation. We are currently reviewing the one and only season of The Yellow Rose, which is a new obsession of mine, I gotta admit. It's been great. My husband and I are watching it. It's got Sam Elliott, Sybil Shepard, and a couple of other people who are really, really great at their jobs. So if you've been listening for a while, you'll notice that sometimes I do the intro, sometimes I don't. I can admit that I do forget from time to time, but mostly I think I struggled with what to say as far as, you know, the, the I think I say the forgotten storylines of the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. It's not about that not being a true statement. It's just about locating some of the things that I really want to watch and not being, you know, a little older in the 80s. I don't really know what was out. And I I could say the same for the early 90s. I'm not really sure what was popping and what wasn't. I just kind of know what was on my radar in the 90s. And in the 80s, it's just anybody's guess. Quite frankly, some of these shows sound really good. I've read several one season, single season sensations that didn't make it if they're just really, really hard to find. So I'm working on that currently, and I hope to continue this in the fall. In the fall, hopefully we can watch. There's a really deep cut that I'm hoping I can get bootleg or some way, somehow, I figure, I hope I can make it. So let's jump right into Yellow Rose today. Episode four of Yellow Rose is called Walls of Fear. Now, I think this one should be called Before I Go. There's lots of consideration taken in this episode. And one of the biggest differences between this series and Dynasty and Dallas is that revenge isn't necessarily at the forefront. It's not revenge. It's not a hostile takeover. This really is an opportunity to watch people who have an older way of life, people with a past, or people who have benefited from the past trying to make good, trying to do the right thing in the current situation that they're in. Chance is a former prisoner who had a bad day, basically, and he needs to redeem himself. And he's presented this opportunity by his his dad, his dad who basically abandoned him, as far as I can tell. Doesn't want anything to do with him. Definitely has a chip on his shoulder, but he's willing to, understanding that there's something going amiss at the ranch, brings him back to the ranch. And there's there's part of me that feels like he thinks, you know, you all, everybody wants to know where they come from. Even if you're satisfied with your current state, there's something very grounding. I think we said this a few episodes back. There's something very grounded about visiting your childhood home or visiting your origin or your parents' home or even the school they went to. There's something about knowing that someone else's decision and, and series of decisions somehow aided in you being who you are today. It's crazy to think that another part of this show that I really like is, like I said, there's not, there's, there's a hint of revenge between the Hollisters and the champions, of course, but Roy is such a good actor, man, this dude is a great actor. He's, I mean, it's so nuanced. There's so many scenes where he's not actually saying a word. He's just, he's down by the watering hole by himself. Or he is, you know, he's just sitting in the kitchen thinking. And there's just, you can see so many, you can almost read his mind based on his expressions and like the subtleties. Like he'll lean back and he'll think, he'll kind of run his fingers through his hair and he'll just kind of sit and ponder. It's amazing. 
love everything about it. But I really like that Roy, even though Chance, he knows a little bit about Chance's past, but I do think that he's been able to see in his face this whole time that he must be related to him. And like I said, in episode one or two, they explained that there's still a daughter out there somewhere. There's another kid at the rodeo. Papa was a rolling stone. So probably in Roy's defense, having a new brother or sister every three months probably isn't all that surprising. Anyway, let's get to this show. When last we left, Colleen and Chance were sloppily and disgustingly playing tonsil hockey, prematurely celebrating basically bringing down this whole drug operation. So we find Colleen and Chance in the front seat of an Harry and Henderson style type vehicle waiting for the art curator to sell them some drugs. And they go ahead and get another kiss in to open up the show. I don't know why. I don't see a lot of chemistry here. I just don't. But like I said, they make her, she's sort of a, the coquette. She's very, the seductress. She's always, I don't know. I just don't really like how they portray Colleen. By the way, Harry and the Hendersons was my movie as a little kid, which is crazy because I was terrified of almost everything. I know I said I hate the 80s. I still high key hate the 80s. There will definitely be a part two where I have to admit that some of the things from the 80s slapped. I'm going to check the date on Harry and the Hendersons because I feel like that one might be like a buzzer beater. It might be like 90. I love that movie. But anyway, you know what type of car I'm talking about? The 80s SUV, the smaller one, like that Harry and the Henderson sort of wood panel car is what Colleen and Chance are waiting in. And they're waiting on the, the art curator, of course, who is busy inside because this is still a party. He's smoothing with the rich people. He's rubbing elbows. He's trying to get a few sales, but it's beginning to dwindle down. So as the guests begin to leave, he's waiting to the the coast is clear so that he can sell Chance and Colleen some drugs. But here comes a, a fresh bottle of Hidden Valley Ranch. You know who I'm talking about. It Ranch Dressing, a.k.a. Sanchez, shows up. <laughs> I love this kid's costume. I love it. So he shows up and he still got on that red butterfly collar, that bright red shirt with the gold. I don't know if I mentioned this last time on the tip of the butterfly wings or butterfly collar, the point or these little gold tassels or something, gold things at the tip of it. I didn't notice that it was denim. I just thought it was navy blue, but homeboy is wearing a Texas tuxedo. I've also heard it called a Canadian tuxedo, but this is like an actual Texas tuxedo made of denim. He looks fresh to death. He's also got on what they call a bolo tie, where it's just like a piece of string. And then there's a really dope emblem in the middle, fresh to death. (laughs) I really, 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 really love his outfits. And I don't know why it amuses me. It just, you know, because it's like all of his gang members, quote unquote, or all of the people he probably bullies into helping him. They've all got on like those break into electric boogaloo rolled up bandanas around their head to collect the sweat. I don't know if that's just an 80s thing. You know what? Vicky wears it a lot too on Falcon Crest. So maybe that was just, you know, 1982, 1983, That was just kind of the thing they did. But everybody he works with, never they, nobody looks like him. Nobody. He is the sharpest dressed man on the episode. Anyway. While the art dealer is schmoozing, here comes Ranch Dressing, a.k.a. Sanchez, in his red butterfly collar, gold tip, blue suit, bolo tie, gold buttons, and it's all denim. So he shows up and he's like barking at the guy like, hey, what's going on here? 
they get into a little, not even an argument. I guess he wants, he comes to do a pickup for baby Hollister. So they go into the art curator's office, the same one that Chance pulled out a little bag of dope and did what he needed to do. And the art curator starts, um, he starts opening the safe. He has to give him whatever the drop is from the day. When for no reason, Sanchez just slits his throat. Bam, right there. Now Chance is in the car and he's getting antsy. So he decides he's going to stop making out with Colleen long enough to go in and check on the curator. Of course, he goes in and he was able to walk right through the art studio, walk right back through the office, and he sees the guy lying dead. Now, this is weird. Now that I'm saying this out loud, it makes me wonder if Sanchez was just chilling in the corner waiting in case someone else showed up because you would think he would just grab the body and leave, right? No. He gives Chance the opportunity to come in and see that um, the art curator is has been murdered. So Chance bends down to investigate and he gets busted in the back of the head with some sort of horse figurine. So now while he's lying unconscious, Colleen is waiting in the car, getting impatient again. So the next thing you know, we're at the Buckskin Bar, which is this bar where the local yokels go. They show up and there's music, there's booze. And here we find my favorite, Kisto and Roy. This is getting so difficult, guys. Between Dallas, between Dynasty, and between Yellow Rose, there is a Ray, there's a Roy, there's a Chance, there's a Chase. I'm losing my mind here. So it's Kisto and Roy. Your boy, Roy. I might have to start saying it like that so I can start saying his name properly. And, you know, they're just drinking. They're having a few beers or eating peanuts and they're drinking in the atmosphere and they're basically waiting for a loose woman to stop by so they can enjoy the rest of their night. You know what I'm saying? So as they're, they're sitting there, Kisto and Roy are having this conversation and Kisto's basically telling Roy, dude, you are the king of coulda, woulda, shoulda. When are you just going to do something? When are you going to make a move? I think they were talking about Colleen. And you can tell that Roy and Kisto are very close. And he's seen, like, Kisto's seen this a hundred million times with Roy. But I just love it because you can see him. He's he's thinking about it and then he kind of chuckles at himself. But there's a little bit of like, oh, what do I do? On his face. So meanwhile, back at the ranch, if you recall last week, Glor- Glor- what is her name? Is it Gloria? What is her name? Grace. Y'all give me one second. I am tripping. This is exactly what I'm talking about. This is what happens when you try to binge watch the 80s in a week. It doesn't, this is too much. Okay, I don't even think I'm watching anything currently with someone's name, Gloria. Grace, I won't mess up again. Grace, last week, Grace basically told Wit that she was interested, shockingly. She told him, Run around and get that convertible. Come pick me up. We're going to go dancing. I want to go dancing. And he's just, oh my God, he's so pondy. Runs around. He grabs a, a convertible car. And sure enough, they show up to the buckskin. Now, the way that Kisto and Roy are sitting, they can see as they walk in. And they're still talking. They're, you know, they're deep in conversation, whatever. Roy makes a comment of something to the effect of, oh, I don't, I don't know if I can handle this. And he's like, well, I hope you can handle it better than this. Look at the door. Sure enough, they look over and there is wit grinning from ear to ear and Gloria. She's got on like this. Oh, I called her Gloria. 
G baby. GG. GG is looking fly. Grace. Grace, Grace, Grace. Grace the Gloria. Goodness gracious. Grace is wearing like this purple, I guess it's a sweatshirt or sweater, but it's got the tassels. So she's cute, y'all. And she went ahead and she went home and she rolled up herself a lavender bandana. She made herself a headband. She can't go out with this little boy and not look young and sprightly, right? And to my surprise, Ray and Kisto are, are quite amused by Ray, bah, Ray's oldest son and only son, Wit, walking in with Grace. They even talk about how their old man probably would have had a heart attack, but Roy is like, man, he's just like his father. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. This is why I wish there was more than one season. I would love to see like a, a dream sequence where we could see who Roy hooked up with because he doesn't see he doesn't see I mean he likes everybody he falls in love easily so we see where Wit gets it from anyway they end up at the same bar and they're just kind of cutting a rug having a good time there is a waitress that comes up to them and she asks for ID she's being funny because she's clearly the same age as Wit and he's like if you're you're old enough to be here I'm old enough to be here which is a little bit kiddish but he doesn't care he's got his girl on his arm doesn't matter if she don't matter how old she is it's none of, it's nobody's business while it's on my mind, I guess we can go ahead and get to the bottom of this. Let me Google what is the drinking age in 1982. I imagine it's 18, right? Has to be. So at least we know that, that Wit is of legal age. And him dating Grace is just that. It is what it is. Okay, well, let's keep saying this is so random. 12 states kept their purchasing age at 21 since repeal, whatever. Let's see in Texas. Okay, it says that Texas raised the drinking age to 19 in 1981. So wit is about 19, at least 19 years old. All right, moving on. So while coming to, after being knocked over the head with some sort of horse figurine, Chance wakes up to hearing, he basically hears Colleen banging on the doors looking for him. He opens up the dorm. Or he go uh, whatever. I don't even think he lets her in, but they, they have a conversation. And he reveals to Colleen that he's only been released from prison so that he can bust up this whole drug ring, this whole drug running operation. And she's frightened after he basically just had his head busted open. I mean, I guess she didn't realize it was dangerous up until him. This is what I'm talking about with Colleen. It's not only that they try to make her this bombshell of a woman, and she's a beautiful woman, I get it. But you got to think, she's a capable woman. She's running a ranch. She's raising a child. She's not helpless. She's not dumb. But anytime they put her in the presence of chance, they dumb her down. Or it, it's almost, it almost becomes comical. I don't know what they're going for here. They didn't know whether to make her funny, to make her dumb, or to make her just like the sex pot. I don't know. So meanwhile, we get to also eavesdrop on a conversation between Sanchez and Baby Hollister. And they're both a little bit concerned about Chancey Pooh, who has just showed up out of nowhere. They don't really know who he is. If memory serves me correctly, I really did think that Chance had bumped into Sanchez, but I guess he didn't. Sanchez knows who Roy is. Hollister definitely knows who Roy is, but they don't know that Chance is his brother, that Chance has been in prison, they don't know anything about him. And they're kind of talking amongst themselves, trying to figure out if he's the FBI, is he DEA? Who is he? Is he someone that Roy hired to get to the bottom of it? But now they've actually put eyes on him and they actually, oh, they also kind of think he just might be a rich guy trying to buy drugs who's in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
Yeah, they're a little bit concerned about his presence, but they agree if the opportunity presents itself, they're going to demolish him. They're going to end him. Meanwhile, back at the bar, some roughneck is sitting down. He's getting good and drunk. He's got a gut full of peanuts and Budweiser probably. And he starts looking across the bar and he sees Grace and all that lavender. She's a lavender dream. And he's like, dang, y'all see that girl over there? I'm going to take her. That's mine. Watch, I'm going to jump on that. If this is your first time listening to So Floor, welcome. I'm so glad you decided to join me on this very interesting journey. Please be advised that I don't make up anything, but I do from time to time take liberties in expressing the essence of a scene versus giving it to you verbatim. So if you will, this is Soap Lore Theater. <clears throat> I don't know. What's a good name for the roughneck? I think he looks like a hmm, burly guy with a nickname. Let's call him Bud. So Bud's sitting back drinking his Budweiser and he's flanked on each side by some hooligans. Bunch of roughnecks are waiting. And he's like, hey, y'all. Y'all see Lavender over there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it, bud. Do it, bud. They're hyping him up big time, right? So he gets up. He strolls over. And he snatches a wit and grace. Lavender lady. The lavender lady grace and wit are cutting rug. And she's really feeling herself. She probably hasn't been dancing since. It's 1982. She hasn't been dancing since 1971. She's been waiting on this moment. So they're dancing. And bud comes over. And he hooks his arm through Grace's arm. He's like, this is mine, pal. I'm going to dance with her. And Wit's like, oh, I bet you don't. Ha! Bud just scoffs and pushes Wit aside, which is the wrong thing to do. So the next thing you know, Wit decides he's going to swing on him. Now, Roy and Kisto are now on their feet because family is family. And when a champion goes in, they all go in. So this is one of the funniest fight scenes I've ever seen in my life. Roy and Kisto immediately jump in after Wit punches the guy in the stomach. They start swinging. Grace is luckily pushed aside so that she doesn't get sweat or beer or blood on her lavender outfit. And they're fist fighting. And this cowboys and cowgirls are like are waiting to jump in and get some of the action. There's one cowgirl in particular who jumps on top of the table with the beer bottle. And she's just kind of swinging it frantically. Anybody that comes within an inch of it, she's swinging it at them. It's hilarious. Now, while everyone else is throwing bows, Sanchez is busy killing a gas station attendant. Allow me to set the scene. Across the street from the buckskin, in pulls Sanchez. He's in an old, well, in a truck. It's not old at the time. And he has placed the art curator's body with a tarp, not even a tarp, like a canvas tarp, I suppose, in the bed of the truck. And there's clearly blood soaking through the canvas because, yeah, he slit his throat. Probably should have said parental advisory on this one, but sorry, I apologize. So the kid, you know, he's goes to the gas station and he just needs a little bit of gas. And I will admit the gas station attendant is a little prejudiced and maybe he's hating on him because he's in that dope outfit, but he goes over and he is, um, Sanchez is playing it cool at first. And the guy, the gas station attendant starts to pump gas, but of course he's tall enough to see in the back of the truck and he sees a body and he's like, Oh crap, crap, crap. So when Sanchez comes out, he's like, Oh man, I'm so sorry. Um, he makes up some really lame excuse as to why he can't do what he, he can't give him gas. So Sanchez pretends to be cool and he starts, he drives off and y'all, 
Thank God for power steering. Sanchez puts his whole denim vested back into turning that wheel. You know, at least it's like he's steering a ship. It's like he's steering the Titanic. Gets out of there, or so we think, only to find out that uh, the gas station attendant goes inside the gas station and he has a card of maybe the Texas troopers or somebody, the state troopers. He goes to make a phone call and he realizes that the cord has been cut with the same knife that sliced the art curator's throat, it's now going to slice his kid's throat. Here's the thing about Sanchez. He's incredibly short-sighted. The the gas station doesn't close for another couple of hours, so he has to just kind of play it cool and chill there because I don't really remember why, but he has to hang out there. After the bar fight, you know, Witt has proven himself, and he intends to make his intentions extremely clear with Miss Grace. He plants a very, very passionate kiss on Grace, which is a whole lot less disgusting than the one from Chance and Colleen. I guess chemistry is chemistry. Who would have thought? They got it. Grace and Wit have more chemistry than Chance and Colleen, in my very humble opinion. Now, Grace is thrown for a loop because she actually has feeling for the kid, and it doesn't seem like anyone else in the family objects to their union, so she's got a lot to think about. She enjoyed the kiss, and that she just makes... One really crucial mistake, though. When they get to her front door, you know, they've already kissed once. I think they're going to kiss again. She tells Wit, he's like, she explains to Wit that she's just, her head is spinning at this moment. She doesn't know what she wants to do. This is all very confusing because she wanted to leave. Like she's been wanting to leave for a little while. And Wit suspects it's because of chance. And now because he thinks because they have something that she'll stay. And she explains that, you know, I guess it is kind of because of, it's, it's because of a lot of things. It's a lot of things. And being a gypsy is just kind of what I do. You know, this is part of my life. It's like Grace has resolved to her life being, to being alone, pretty much. And now there's this possibility, but it's so taboo. It's so out of the ordinary. What can ever come of this? She's just like, oh my God, I don't know what to think. And he's, he's basically begging her, like asking her to consider him. And consider them, not just him, but them. Like you like me, I like you. Consider what we can be. Why don't you just stay? And she says this. She says, well, we'll see. Crucial mistake, because this is actually very triggering for Wit. In his experience, when someone says, we'll see, be that his parents, his grandfather, whoever, what that actually means is that they have no intention of considering his feelings And he gets really, he's frustrated by that. So he's like, all right, well, if you don't know anything else, I need you to know this. Picks her up, plants a huge kiss on her mouth again, and then he leaves. I think I am going to save a little bit, probably about half of this episode. If you can believe it or not, this isn't even halfway through. It's probably right at halfway through. Um, Chance does come by her camper and she lets Chance in. And I, I at first I thought... That was really weird, but I have to remember she and Chance have a past. They basically grew up together. He used to run around with her brothers. So yes, there's an attraction there, but there's also their family. You know what I mean? She knows his past. He knows hers. She doesn't judge him for it. And she's, she's just kind of explaining to him that this is so confusing, man. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know why I'm doing this. He talks her into staying for a little while. Now I'm going to save the rest for your pleasure and for next week, because it ties in 
with visiting Big John in jail or John in jail. I don't know if they call him Big John. He's losing hope at this point. If you remember, he is he's being blamed for the murder that Sanchez has actually provided. So everyone, the, the guys, Roy, oh yeah, Roy, Quisto and Chance are working diligently to bring Sanchez down so that they can free free John and at least him get him out on bail. We don't know, you know, if last time at the party, um, Hollister's daughter, Julia, made a little bit of a scene in front of the judge and big Hollister said, yeah, we should definitely, definitely get him out on bail. So there's obviously a plan brewing, but I'm going to leave you guys with that. Join me on Friday with Falcon Crest Friday. We're going to talk a little bit more about that story and enjoy the rest of your week. Remember to keep all of your drama on TV.